You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hi, this is Dr. Cynthia Tulin-Wilson on my radio show, Author to Author. Tonight I'm going to be talking with Tony Cassio, and we're going to cover two of his books, Tony's 50,000 Coincident Miracles, Book 1 and Book 2. Hi, Tony. I was wondering if you could start us with a prayer and then introduce yourself. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Cynthia. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll say a prayer, and I'll ask everybody to say amen at the end of it, and I will introduce myself. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I pray that God will bless everyone listening to this message today to hear his voice more clearly from today onward and for the rest of our lives. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right. Well, uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm 77 years old now. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart, Julie, and we were married for uh, 53 years. We had three children, five grandchildren, and the latest count is four great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent 30 years uh, working in the accounting, finance uh, area, um, and I worked at some great companies like Clairol, uh, Timex Watches, Johnson & Johnson, Remington Electric Shavers, uh, met a lot of wonderful people, very capable, and the systems in those companies are terrific, so I learned a lot in 30 years, um, and that put me in good stead for later in life. I became a president in four other companies. Um, currently, I manage my own consulting business, uh, business coaching firm, uh, in the last 50 years, I've managed or supervised practically every department in a typical company by the grace of God and learned a lot. So I'm, I'm able to go into a company and be helpful in many different areas. Um, I spent 45 years teaching the Sunday school, uh, consecutive years. I'm very happy that uh, God honored me with that because I had about 20 students per class in that 45-year period. And that gave me uh, exposure to about a 1,000 people who are now, some of them are grandparents themselves now. Um, and I learned a lot by teaching about religion. And, and for the last 50 years now, since I, I had a miracle, I'll share in a moment, but uh, I had a miracle at the age of 24. And for the last 50 years or so, I've been trying to be his, his friend. Um, so the miracle experience that really... Uh, Got me, got me started was um, I was 24 years old a long time ago. Um, I was married very young. We married right after high school. We were high school sweethearts. And because I, we married young, uh, I went to school three nights a week for 11 years to get my degrees. And, and that, that worked out well because I, I began to work as an accountant while I was still going to college nights. Uh, I was going to college uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, I was working two jobs, make ends meet. And, and uh, I had one boss that was very difficult, so it made my life tough. Uh, and then in this period, at the age of 24, I was studying biology and taxes at the same time as accounting, and that's uh, not recommended. So I had a lot of stress. And I was, I thought I was uh, knowledgeable, but I was young. I was 24. And uh, 
got a lot of stress, and day by day it kept mounting. And I think the next thing that happened is we got pregnant, and my wife stopped working, so the bills began uh, began to get impossible. And uh, so at the age of 24, not really knowing what to do about a lot of things, I got to a point in stress and anxiety that I'm glad I haven't reached again since then. Um, and I was driving through the center of town, and uh, we stopped at a red light. And I think it was all providential, now that I reflect on it. I think God set me up. And we stopped at the red light. I looked out my left window, and there was this huge uh, church. It looked like a cathedral. So I pulled the car right over it and parked near the curb, and I went charging into this church, filled with anxiety. Um, it would take a long time to explain, but after 30 years of stress, I was going in to tell God off, and I was angry. And uh, so I went in the church, and I uh, spent two hours in there moaning and groaning about all kinds of things. Um, I'm not proud of the things I said, but I remember two significant things that I said. It's been ever present in my mind. I was very angry and bitter and confused. And I said, uh, you know, I went to Catholic schools all of my life. I had nuns and priests telling me constantly uh, how wonderful you were. Uh, God loves us. He's always with us. He knows everything. Uh, you can ask him for help. And here I am drowning in stresses and I don't even know if you're there. I'm, I'm in here talking to you, but I have no idea if you're really there. I, I've never heard you or seen you, and so I remember babbling about that. Um, and then I wound up, as I was leaving, said uh, something to the effect that um, you made me. I didn't ask to be created. I didn't ask to be made. I didn't ask to have the world be in the state that it's in, requiring you know, working two jobs and going to college three nights a week and yada, yada. And so I guess if I'm a problem and I'm having trouble, I guess I'm really your problem because they say you love me. So I left the church, and I, I really felt gloomy because as the days went on, I realized I had problems when I went to the church, but now I had probably angered God, so I was really in rough shape. And then a wonderful thing happened. Just a few days uh, I got a call from a mysterious recruiter who told me he, he couldn't tell me where he got my resume from. Uh, he was sworn to secrecy. He told me I was a perfect match for a job he was trying to fill, and he needed to talk to me right away. So I went in, and I talked to him, and uh, got the job. Turned out I was overqualified for the job I had, so I, I took on a job with greater responsibility, and I got a 30% raise, uh, which took care of my problems, and so I was, you know, stunned and stamped at the age of 24 that I knew God certainly pulled off a miracle. So that's a little bit about me. I, I spent 77 years, so that's that's the best recap I have. Uh, can I clarify, clarify sure. anything for you? Um, no, I think that's very clear. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so... What would you say the main purpose is of this book, your your mission in writing this book? Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been talking to God for uh, 50 years, and it's true what they say. Uh, you can ask him anything, and uh, he's always there. So he got me to write these books. After 50 years, he impressed upon me that he's given me so many miracles in my life I've experienced, on average, uh, three miracles a day for 50 years is unbelievable. 
that's why the title of the book is uh, Tony's 50,000 Coincidence Miracles. And by the way, uh, Jesus inspired me that that's the title he wanted to use. I couldn't believe it, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you late, later, uh, probably I'll tell you in, uh, while we're going on, <clears throat> how he proved to me that he wanted to use that title. Mm-hmm. But he gave me the mission. He told me there's three parts to the mission. Uh, it took a while for him to tell me these things because uh, it, it was a lot of days of prayer about whether I wanted to write a book or not. But uh, it's three parts. Uh, the first part is uh, he gave me 50 years of evidence, and he wants me to convince everybody or anybody that will listen that he absolutely exists, and there's no doubt about that, that he absolutely loves every single person on the planet uh, beyond any love we can imagine. He wants to be a friend. He wouldn't have made us if he didn't want us around, so he made us because he wanted friends, and he gave us free will in that regard, and he wants to have conversations with us. So the main, the first part of the mission is convince people he exists, he loves them, he wants to be a friend on friendly terms, a personal relationship, and he wants to have discussions with us every day. The second part of the mission is, uh, and this took a while for me to understand and a lot of talking to him about it, um, but he wants me to convince people that he's frustrated and unhappy and sad, primarily because each one of us has a presence of God with us from the moment we're born until the moment we die. And he told me, inspired me, that... uh, there's three billion, three billion people out of the seven billion people on the planet Earth who are not going to make it to heaven. And I can't do anything but tell you that was an inspiration. I have no proof and no way of proving it, but it seems to probably make sense. He said uh, the reason they're not going to make it to heaven is one single reason. They never talk to me. They never ask me anything. They totally ignore me. And if you can picture loving somebody with human love who totally ignores you for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. Uh, he's totally ignored every second of every day. Uh, and, and it's, you know, he came to earth, he became a man, he died on a cross, uh, he resurrected, gave us the Holy Spirit, and now he told us he's with us forever as a spirit. Uh, so he's hurt, frustrated, uh, sad. I get a lot of help from the Blessed Virgin I, when I'm praying. Uh, she also promises, if you say the rosary, she will help us with graces. And I'm sure she's helped me uncover the fact that he's sad and frustrated, etc. Uh, I, I suspect he didn't probably tell me all that himself. Um, so I, I mean, that's the second part. Um, the third part is uh, amazing, just like the second part is amazing. Um <clears throat> He wants us to have conversations with him and talk to him because everybody really should realize this, and I should have realized it many, many years ago, but it's because he gave us free will. And I've talked to him for a long time, and he's made it very clear to me that because we have free will, he cannot speak to us uh, unrequested because if he does that, he's barging in on our free will. For example, if he says, don't do that now, do that later, don't say that, call that person now, if he keeps doing that to us, we don't have free will. So he wants us to know that if if we don't talk to him and ask him questions, and I have a lot of evidence about that I think I'll be sharing in a little while, but anyway, the summary of the mission is three parts. Convince everybody I can 
that's the that's what the two books should do. Yeah, he exists. He loves us. He's our best friend and a personal friend. He wants to talk to us. Um, he, he's unhappy. He's the second part. He's unhappy, frustrated, and sad to be totally ignored. And he, we must ask him questions. We must uh, have conversations with him. And I, I forgot to say a little earlier something that that is very touching and very moving. I think I think that I just got inspired to bring it up just now. Because he's perfect and all-powerful and he can do anything he wants, when he decides to become a personal friend to any person, which he's already done, he has the power to come and meet them exactly where they're at. Like if he meets a three-year-old child in a sandbox, he sits there and he plays with them in the sandbox. Uh, he, he comes at our proper age. Uh, if, if I like the piano and you like the violin, well, his presence with me likes the piano, and his presence with you likes the violin. Somebody else likes opera. Well, he likes opera. He comes and he makes himself you know, the perfect friend. And I think a, a wonderful, it might make a wonderful movie if a person wanted to be somebody's spouse and they decided to, to be their spouse and they wanted to be the most perfect spouse and they had the power of God to do it, they would make the most wonderful spouse ever imaginable. So that's what God does. He becomes our perfect friend, and he doesn't interrupt us and uh, take away our free will. That's why we don't notice him. Um, all right, so I, I think there's a lot there, but um, can I clarify any of that? It's, it's uh, very interesting. Now, when you talk about all of these um, miracles, so the first miracle was the one that you talked about initially when you were introducing yourself. Is that correct? Uh, that's right, when I was 24 okay. years old, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just I just wanted to put it into a time frame for myself. So that would be a gigantic miracle, but um, you know, to to realize that, you know, that Jesus is our friend and when you're going into be angry with him. Um yes. so yeah, so that's I just wanted to have the timeline. Um so you talk about a lot you talk a lot about having these conversations, but I'm wondering what kind of evidence or proofs you have, um, you know, things that uh, you found that would help the audience to be convinced. Okay, great. That's a very good question. I, I get that question a lot. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So I do have some wonderful answers, I think, because I've asked Jesus, you know, to help me. Um, mm -hmm. There's basically four wonderful uh, sources. The first source is we have the Bible. Uh, it, the Bible covers 5,000 years of history, 5,000 years of stories. And if you hold it in your hand, a typical Bible, Old Testament plus New Testament, depending on the typing size, could be like 2,000 pages. So you hold the Bible in your hand, and there's 20,000 conversations going on in there. I didn't count them myself, but if you take 5,000 years at four conversations a year, you get 20,000, so it's certainly believable. So God's talking to people. They're talking to him. Jeremiah, chapter 23, Jeremiah absolutely says, he, 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 God says to people, you should ask your neighbor, what has the Lord told you? You should ask your neighbor, what has God said about that thing? And that's in Jeremiah, chapter 23. So long, long ago, God was telling us we're supposed to be talking to him, and then we can ask our neighbor, well, what did God tell you about that? 
so that's Jeremiah 23. But the Bible has 5,000 years of stories and conversations. So that's, it begs, it's a question begging to be asked, why doesn't everybody on the planet today, after all these years, thousands of years, why aren't we all talking to God and asking him what to do? So that, that's number one about can we talk to God. Um, number two is the Catholic Catechism, and I hasten to add that you don't have to be Catholic. You absolutely don't need to be Catholic to use the Catholic Catechism, but it's a treasure trove of, of value, and I want to tell people why that is. Uh, the Catholic Catechism has been developed over the last 2,000 years. Um, people started asking the church questions from day number one. Is this holy? Is this right? Will I go to hell if I do this? Uh, does this please God? Or, what did Jesus mean by this or that? So the church has been asked questions for 2,000 years, and the church has been answering them and documenting the answers and the logic and the, and the explanation of why for 2,000 years. So the catechism, as I say, you don't need to be Catholic to use it. It was just put together by Catholics. Uh, but it has 2,865 answers in it. You go into the index in the back and look up any question you want, 2,865, let's call it 3,000 questions. And so if you grab the catechism and look up the question, can you talk to God? Does God talk to us? Can we hear God? If you look that up in the catechism, the answer is yes, yes, yes. And I'll tell everybody where it is. Uh, the United States declared our independence in the year 1776. Very significant that God uses that number for this answer because in the catechism if you look up article number 1776 and then read the next three also so there's a total of four paragraphs it takes about eight minutes to read it absolutely convincingly tells us that we can have conversations with god it's, it's been there for at least hundreds of years now so that's the second piece whether you're catholic or not i uh, i encourage people to use the catechism to just see what for 2,000 years, uh, and, and let me tell you where it was, I know you know, but some of your uh, listeners might not know, uh, the answers were captured, but then we've had 10,000 saints in the last 2,000 years pass through the church. We've had Thomas Aquinas and, and many, many other uh, saints who have commented, and, and we have comments from them in the catechism with their philosophy, their theology. So it's a book put together by the wisest minds, male and female, um, and the holiest minds that we could produce on the planet Earth, 10,000 documented saints. So the catechism is the second thing that tells you, you you can talk to God. The third thing is, what I alluded to a minute ago, we've had 10,000 documented saints, and we have their life story documented. Uh, you can Google any name you want. Just put the word saint in front of it. So you can Google St. Anthony Francis John or St. Julie, Debbie, Arlene, uh, Joanne, uh, any saint's name you want, and you'll, you'll get to three paragraphs. Typically, they'll tell you a gist of the story of every saint. Now, what's remarkable about this is 10,000 saints. I have never, never, ever read the life of a saint who did not talk to God and hear God. That's how they become saints, by having conversations with God. So when people say, how do you know you can talk to God? So far, just so far, we've got the Bible. They're all talking to God. We've got the catechism says you can do it by the holiest and wisest minds we could produce. We've got 10,000 saints who showed us the way. 
And now we've got the fourth thing, which is, uh, I don't know, probably the most amazing part of this. It's what Jesus himself said in scriptures. So I'll just quote a few scriptures. And I already mentioned Jeremiah chapter 23 in the Old Testament. But Jesus in John 10:27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Jesus in John 14:26 says, The Holy Spirit, which who I'm going to send you, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. So we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit who's teaching us all things. And if we are his sheep and he's our shepherd, we need to be listening to his voice. Now, Matthew 6.10 is an amazing thing. Matthew 6.10 is where Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. Now, most people know the Our Father, and we say it by heart, we know it. Well, the words in there are amazing because there's a place in the Our Father where we say, we say to God in heaven, we say, Thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. So we're saying, we want your will, we want your will to be done on earth like it's done in heaven. Well, if we don't ask him what to do, how do we know what his will is? And we say in the Lord's Prayer, we want your will done, but we don't ask him what to do. For example, what college to go to, what city to live in, what car to buy, which woman to marry or husband to marry, uh, where to take a vacation, what to name my children. We say your will be done, but we don't consult them so Here's a glaring evidence. We say the Lord's Prayer, and we don't ask God what to do. Uh, John 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, Up until now you've asked for nothing, but ask, so your joy will be full. Luke 8, 21, Jesus says, My brothers and my sisters are those who hear and do the will of God. Hear and do the will of God, my brothers and my sisters. And now there's an amazing thing that I found in my life that I treasure so much. In the whole Bible of 2,000 pages, there's one sentence, one sentence that says, and Jesus said it, only one thing is needed, only one thing is necessary. And Mary has found it, and it will not be taken from her. And it's in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 42. Now, I think the whole world should know that Jesus said, I think the whole world should know that Jesus said, only one thing is needed, and it's if everybody would just do that, we'd be doing the one thing. And the one thing is, he wants to have conversations with us. That's what Mary was doing. She was having conversations. He said, that's the only thing you need to do. All right, so in summary, we have four great things. We've got the Bible, the catechism, uh, whether you're Catholic or not, uh, it's a resource item to use. We've got the lives of 10,000 saints. Um, and we've got what Jesus said in the Bible, which I just quoted. And then Jesus gave me one, one thing he often told me when I was struggling with trying to prove to myself, am I hearing God's voice or am I crazy? Or am I schizophrenic? Uh, I'm having these miracles happen. I ask God what to do. I have miracles happening every day. You know, uh, am I really hearing God? I was struggling with that, and I tried to get answers. So I, one day it dawned on me. Well, why don't I ask him? So I asked him, how do I know that it's really you? And he said, Tony, if you want to convince anybody that they can talk to me, all you have to do is one thing. Tell them to ask me a question, and when they get the answer, they'll know they're talking to me. So those are the things that uh, convince me there's no doubt we can talk to God. And when he said write the books, <laughs> I knew he wanted me to do it. Uh, that is really impressive. I love his answer. 
just tell them to ask, just tell them to talk to me and ask me in a question, and when they get the answer, they'll know it's me. That's beautiful. So, it's very interesting. So you have these daily conversations, or it sounds like more than daily conversations. It sounds like you have frequent conversations every day with them. Can you give us an idea of what it feels like to be having daily conversations with Jesus, not just as, you know, this distant God, but as a personal friend? Yes, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, Because of my mission in three parts, uh, Jesus has inspired me to use the following example uh, often, and I, you know, I must have recited this answer hundreds of times by now, and it's a great question, it's an important question. And so this is what I've been inspired to share with people. Uh, If you can imagine a cell phone, an extremely tiny cell phone, if you put it in the palm of your hand, you can't even see it because you need a a microscope or magnifying glass to see it. So that's how tiny it is. And imagine that God has a cell phone for every single person. They they all have their own private line. It's always on. You don't have to dial it. And he plants that within us. You can imagine... He plants it in our mind or our hearts, our souls, and it's planted there. And, and in our minds, uh, when we want to talk to him, we don't have to say any words or use our lips. We just, in our mind, we think a prayer, we think a question, and he responds. And the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, which is an allusion to um, a clue uh, that Christ is in us and he's speaking to us all the time if we ask him questions. So, so we have the cell phone in there. Um, and maybe I didn't, maybe people can't believe that or doesn't, they don't like that example, but regardless, uh, God is talking to us somehow, some way, and I'm going to prove that in a minute. Now, the next thing, the next part of this answer is uh, most people, and I've talked to enough people to say most people, they get up in the morning, they go to the closet or the bureau, and they have a discussion. They stand there half asleep, and, and, and they have a lot of questions like, uh, you're looking at the closet. I wonder if I should wear that tie with that shirt. I wonder if I should wear that belt with those shoes. I wonder if I should wear that suit today. I wonder if I should wear my sweater today. They ask all these questions, and what's one split second after they ask the question, they answer the question. Now, if we look at that carefully just for a moment, uh, there's a person, a human being standing there who's asking a question, which min- which means they don't know the answer yet, because if they knew the answer, they wouldn't ask the question. But they ask the question, and then a split second, not even a second later, they answer, uh, and then they're happy. So something is going on there. There's an ignorant, uh, an ignorant part of a person asking, and there's a wise part of a person answering the question. So that phenomenon is going on, which depicts that we must be talking to somebody in our minds. And now I'm going to give you an example of a really true miracle story that happened to me uh, like 45 years ago. Uh, which certainly uh, changed my whole life uh, beyond the 24-year-old experience. My wife and I went out to a movie, and after the movie, uh, we, we typically would on date night. We had date nights every week, and, and we would uh, go to the movie, and then we would go to a diner or a restaurant afterward and talk about the movie and then talk about other issues going on in the family, etc. So it was a great uh, discussion starter to start with a movie. So after the movie... Uh, I was inspired to go to a certain diner, and I asked my wife, Julie, Julie, would you like to go to that diner? And she said, sure, yeah, we like that place. And 
So I drove over to that diner. And then what I typically do, I've been taught by Jesus many years ago to do this. When I go into a diner, I look at the menu, and I ask him what I should order. Because he knows all about the, the menu and the recipe. So he always inspires me to order something. So he told me to order the fish. So I ordered the fish. And the waitress said, sir, uh, that comes with peas or carrots. What would you like, peas or carrots? This was many, many years ago, 45 years ago, when they still had peas and carrots separately. Now they mix them already. And so I said to Jesus, uh, Jesus, should I order peas or carrots? In my mind, I didn't, I didn't audibly say it. And he inspired me, ordered the peas, ordered the peas. And when she brought the order out later, she walked over shaking her head and she said, thank God you ordered peas. And I said, knowing she said, thank God, it got my attention. I said, why? What happened? She said, well, when I went to pick up your order, they had dropped the carrots all over the floor in the kitchen and they were cleaning them up. So I think you should be happy you ordered the peas. I don't know if you would have liked it if you ordered carrots. And she laughed. And now I want to pause because we're talking about God here and we're talking about miracles and this significant miracle shows why my book is called Coincidence Miracles. We left the movie, and I asked what diner to go to. He told me what diner to go to. Now, he knew they were going to drop the carrots. I didn't know that. When I went to the diner, I asked him what to order. He said to order the fish because you have a choice of peas or carrots. I didn't know that, so I ordered fish. Then I asked if I should order peas or carrots. He told me peas because he knew they were going to drop the carrots. And the other thing he knew that I didn't know and, and it's so amazing, he knew that the the waitress was going to have the audacity or the courage, I don't know which, to, to actually tell a patron to drop the carrots in the back room and they're picking them up. I mean, I don't think the manager would have liked that. Now, if those four things did not happen, ask about what diner, use the menu, order the fish, order the peas. If I didn't do that, and each step ask a question, and she did not tell me about the carrots, I wouldn't know this was a stupendous miracle. So that's my point about coincidence miracles. When you see a coincidence, you don't know it's the, if it's the fourth coincidence in the, in the story or the third or the fifth. So you need to pause with coincidences and, and observe them and think about all right, so that's a true story, peas and carrots. My friends have started to call me Tony Peas and Carrots now uh, because you're using that. Uh, I, I've used that same method with buying a house, buying a car, uh, which job to take. Uh, I, I use it, That's why I get the miracles. I ask God questions all day long, and I get peas and carrots kinds of miracles. Um, hmm. I, hope that, I hope that helps. That was the, the best answer I could give. That's a good answer. Um, so could you give us some other examples of um of some of the miracles that you've that you've uh, had occur in your life some of them that perhaps that you included in your books Okay great um yes I I have a a, a few that are in the books and uh, and again the title of the book is Tony's 50,000 coincidence miracles and if they google that they'll get a wealth of information and a lot of a lot of free information by the way um all right, so the first miracle I'd like to talk about is, it's called the New Heart Miracle. I was awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning one morning. This, uh, this goes back like 50 years ago, um, early on in, in this. That's why Jesus so impressed me for many years that I have to write these books. 
50 years ago, he woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, Lord, I'm wide awake. I, I've got an important meeting tomorrow. Why, why am I waking up at 3 o'clock? And he said, Tony, I want you to go down to the kitchen and write a letter to the man having heart surgery tomorrow because your wife is going to visit him, and she'll bring the letter in, and you can visit him later. And it was a relative of ours. Uh, so I went down to the kitchen, and I said, that's great. I'm writing a letter. I, and I said, Lord, please help me. I never wrote to, a letter to someone having heart surgery. I don't know what to say. And I got inspired. Well, you know that record you're always playing, uh, Sound 51, which is uh, it's a song about Sound 51 by Weston Priory, and that's where King David asked God to create a brand new heart for him. And so he said, why don't you write something like that? And I said, wow, that's great. So I started to write. I was going to write. Uh, I'm praying that God will create a brand new heart for you during the surgery, and you'll never have another problem with your heart for the rest of your life. And that's what I was going to write. So I started to write, and when I got to the place where I said, God create a new heart, the record player went on in the living room all by itself. My three children were sleeping. My wife was sleeping because I got up and checked, and the record player went on, and it was playing the exact song that he said to use. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, the greatest mystery 50 years ago was, if I did not get up at 3 o'clock, would the record have still played? And that, I, I wonder... Uh, but God got me up to be there when I was writing the sentence, perfectly timed, and that's why we talk about coincidence miracles. Uh, the, the next miracle is uh, called the green car story. It also goes back 50 years ago. Uh, my daughter was 12, and uh, I used to bond with a different child every weekend, and this Saturday morning was my 12-year-old daughter, and I had three children at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> we went to morning mass on Saturday morning, and then we went to breakfast, and then we would do something bonding different every time. And this time, I had to buy a car, a second car for my wife. And uh, uh, so while we were having breakfast, I thought I'd give her this experience. And um, I was inspired to say to my daughter, Lisa, the oldest child, uh, and she still remembers it from the age of 12. It was an amazing miracle. I was inspired to say, you know, Lisa, you ask God uh, some, an- some answers uh, describing this car we're going to get, and I'll ask the same questions, and then we'll compare notes and see if they match. Uh, and and, and this, by the way, this is why God sent, this is why Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, so we can ask God and confirm by what, what's your, what is your neighbor saying, which is what Jeremiah 23 says, ask your neighbor, what is God telling you? So the questions were what make, what model, what color, what price range, and what dealer were we going to go to. Well, the dealer was easy because we passed one on the way in. And so we got the answers. And we both had the same answers, the price range, the color, everything. Uh, So we went after breakfast. We went to the dealer and uh, walked in with a list. We had a list of make, model, color, uh, price range. and, And we told the salesman, we went to morning mass, we're Catholics, and we asked God to help us, and we got this list. We got all excited, and he said, this is the first time God has sent me a customer. I can't wait to see what happens next. So he went off to check. He came back uh, quite a while later, and he's shaking his head no, and he's standing in front of us, and he said, Tony, I've checked with our three locations, and I've checked with other dealers in Connecticut, and uh, you're not going to get that car in Connecticut today. I can tell you not matching your specs. And while he was telling us this, here's the most significant part of the story. There was a glass window in the back room. You could see the whole lot outside. And I saw the exact car we just described to him pull in off the main road. It pulled into the parking lot. 
It parked right in back of them at the window. Talk about coincidence. It had a for sale sign on its mirror. And I said, excuse me, but the car that just pulled in and back here is the car I'm talking about. And he said, oops, let me go check. He came back and said, you're right. It came in Friday night and it was in the prepping garage Friday night. And then we don't put it into our computers until it, it's on the lot. Uh, so that's the green car story, which which winds up exactly to the moment that I'm that the salesman is saying he does not have it, and that's what I mean about coincidences. You have to look at the steps. If I didn't go to breakfast, if I didn't talk to my daughter, or maybe if we didn't go to mass, those are the steps that got us to this tremendous miracle. The next miracle is called uh, the cathedral ceiling story. It's in the second book. I was very blessed in my life uh, from 50 years ago. You know, one of the things I started doing was going to Mass every morning because I was so shocked into the reality of God. I wanted to get all I could. And so I go to Mass every morning because I get the Bible read to me. Then I get a lecture given to me by an educated priest with philosophy and theology every day. And after 50 years, they read the Bible to you like three times in that process. Uh, so I was able to go to the cathedral in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I worked at Remington Shavers in those days. And I was able to get the morning mass at the cathedral, and they had the mass in the chapel. And then after mass, I had like 10 or 15 minutes to linger in the main body of the church, of the cathedral. So every morning I'd have mass, and I'd linger for 10, 15 minutes, and then I'd get to work on time. And it was a wonderful friend. I mean, talk about Jesus being your friend. Uh, many mornings, it used to take me 45 minutes to get to Mass, sometimes in the winter, et cetera, uh, to drive from home to the cathedral. And I could I, you know, I could feel Jesus having anticipation, like, like he couldn't wait for us to meet also. But this one morning, I went to meditate after Mass, and he, he inspired me right away. Tony, you better get to the office right away this morning because, you know, there's a lot to, to be done. And so I, I was shocked by that, So, but I was inspired to do it, so I left. And I, But all day long, I, I didn't find any reason why I left early until on the way home, I was driving home, I put the radio on to listen to the news, and the news person said that this morning the ceiling fell out of the sky in the... Uh, in the cathedral and landed on the floor. And I, I know from that, from my inspiration, Jesus said, that's why I told you to leave because it, it had fallen about the time I was there. Um, the next uh, miracle uh, is only about 10 years ago. Um, let's see, about 10 years ago, I was encouraged by a lot of people who know me to, to attend an ACTS retreat. That's ACTS spelled A-C-T-S, like a Broadway play, like a movie, ACTS called Axe Retreats. Many people know about it, but just uh, simply stated and briefly stated, if you know about Marriage Encounter or Curcio, it's like that except the men go on one weekend and the women go on another one. You don't go together and you don't have to be married to go. And it's a wonderful experience. I highly recommend it. It helps you to become a very close friend of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Axe Retreats help you to do. Well, it helps you to know him as a personal friend and then if you want to be his friend, that's up to you after the weekend retreat. Now, I had booked it because my friend said to do so, but about a week before I was scheduled to go, I got two clients who needed, gave me some projects to work on that had to get done within a week and a half, 
And so I was concerned, and I said, Lord, I think I got this wrong. I'm going to have to cancel the retreat. And he kept saying no. And I asked him five days in a row because I wasn't getting the project done for the clients. He kept saying no, go on the retreat. And then here's what happened. I had to drive about 40 minutes to get to the retreat house. So I drove 40 minutes, and I kept saying on the way over, I don't know if this is right, Lord. I got all that work that's facing me after retreat. I, I can't believe I'm doing the right thing. And he kept telling me, you're doing the right thing. So... I get to the driveway, 40 minutes away from my home. I get to the driveway of the retreat house. I had to make a left turn to go into the driveway, but there was an oncoming car, so I had to wait. And the oncoming car had a license plate number of 777. And many people know that 777 is God's number. It's the holiest number in history. The Jews have held three sevens as the holiest of number hundreds of years before Christ. There's a note in the Jerusalem Annotated Bible in the, in the Book of um, uh, Wisdom, Chapter 7. Uh, Book of Wisdom, Chapter 7 is a footnote down the bottom that explains in the Bible it, it's been held as the holiest of numbers. So Jesus said in my mind, Tony, I told you I wanted you to come. I'm just proving to you right here at the driveway I want you to come. So I went in four days on the retreat. And as I left the retreat, I pulled out of the driveway and turned right. And the very first car coming up on the other lane had three sevens on it. And Jesus said, just like Psalm 121, Tony, I bless your coming in and I bless your going out. Uh, so that was the Axe retreat. And uh, the other one that's very significant uh, to share with you is called the Stardust Prayer uh, Miracle. Um, I, was, I worked in New York City on Park Avenue for about five years. I had an office up on the fifth floor. I was leaving on a Friday night about 7 p.m. It was a winter night. It was dark. And everybody, uh, my staff had all left, and I was walking uh, down the hallway, and I heard somebody crying uh, in one of the offices. I looked inside, and one of our employees was uh, having a tough time sobbing. So I, it was Friday night in New York City. Uh, I had a do something. So I took them back to my office and tried to see if I could help. We spent an hour in there talking about their plight and their difficulties, and they kept bursting into tears. So you know, what, what we could have discussed in maybe 20 minutes took an hour because they, were, they just couldn't talk uh, most of the time. And while this was going on, I had a, a lot of compassion building up inside of me for this person. I mean, I was taking on their burden, and uh, that's what compassion is. And Jesus was, you know, inside of me, wanting me to help. I was praying harder than I ever, ever prayed for anything. Uh, I know, I remember it very vividly. I felt my chest was like there was a balloon inside. Every time I was praying, my chest was stretching. I was yearning. It was a yearning sensation in my chest. I was yearning for help. It was like my heart kept saying, help, we got to do something. And it was getting really late. And I knew if we didn't do something soon, I, she wasn't going to get any help that weekend. Uh, not in the city at that hour. And suddenly what happened was unbelievable. Um, behind me was a solid wall, no window, nothing there. It was just a solid wall with a picture on it. And this person was sitting in front of me on the other side of my desk. And suddenly a bright light flashed through the wall, lit up the office like, like the noonday sun just arrived. It only lasted like eight seconds, It was, and, and it was gone. And the person saw the light saw it coming through the wall uh, and, and, and changed, instantly changed to total peace like you could, you could cut the piece in the office with, with a knife. 
so those are the kinds of miracles that happen when you ask God what to do and to do what he tells you. Uh, and, you know, if you read the Bible, the miracles Jesus worked by asking the Father what to do is a good example. So we get tremendous miracles just by asking God what to do. Um, mm. Okay, so I, I'm going to stop there because I could go on with another 200 miracles, but uh, <laughs> bottom yeah. line is talk, talk to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also say in your books that you are just the typist for the books, that Jesus really wrote the books. Could you explain that? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and, and just in the interest of time, uh, Dr. Cynthia, uh, I think there's something so important that I need to cover. I've been thinking about it as I've been talking. It's, it's important because it, it'll help your listeners. I, I don't want to run out of time, so if mm-hmm. you allow me, before I, before I talk about the proof that I was just a typist, I'd like to cover um, a, a different question, and it's called, how do you protect yourself? How do you know you're really hearing God's voice? Uh, you know, we might be covering it later, but I think I'm going to bring it up and try to cover it now, okay? Okay, that's fine. All right, thank you. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me often, and, and they should. It's really an important question. Everybody should say to me, wait a minute, you know, you're telling me about all these miracles happening in 50 years, you have three miracles a day, and you're quoting stories. I mean, how do I know you're, you're right, and how do I know you're not making this stuff up? So, I mean, how do you really know and protect yourself that it's not the devil talking to you or you're schizophrenic? How do you know? Well, it's an excellent question, and I think everybody should ask that. And if, you are, if you're a friend of Jesus, you can ask him to give you the proof. And he's very happy to do that. And here's what he gave me. He gave me six things that prove that he's talking to. The first thing is the Bible, which I talked about earlier, 5,000 years of stories in the Bible. And if you read the Bible, you'll get a sense of what God expects, what he likes, what he dislikes, uh, what he wants us to be, 20,000 conversations with other people. So... The Bible is a great source for us to get to know God as a person. So that's the first thing. that You've got to do that, and then you'll, when, when, you're, when God's talking to you, you'll recognize his voice. The second thing is you have 7,000 years of tradition. You have the 5,000 years of how people behaved in the Bible, and we've got 2,000 years since then, since Jesus came, uh, of also tradition, which is the behavior of people. For example, we celebrate holidays. Uh, and in the Old Testament, God, God himself created the holidays. He said to them, I want you to celebrate this every year. I want you to celebrate this every 70 years, every 50 years. So God created holidays. And our saints since then, in the last 2,000 years, like St. Francis of Assisi, created the creche that we use, the manger scene that we use at Christmas time was created by St. Francis of Assisi, who had the stigmata, the five marks on his body, so we have these traditions that say God wants us to have holidays and celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, etc. And then we got some people running around on the planet telling us that we're being evil. You know, you're, you can't celebrate those holidays. That's an evil thing to do. And so that's why I tell people about this. So now you can tell them that they're wrong and, and you're right. Um, and the next thing we have is we have the Catholic Catechism. There's 3,000 answers that I said before. And you can look up in the catechism. So whatever God uh, is, is saying to you, if you want to prove that that's really God, you can look up in the catechism and see what he told all the other 10,000 saints. Uh, number four, you've got wise counselors. Now, probably the wisest counselor you have 
is either your parents or your spouse because they know you more intimately than anybody else, and they can tell you when you're wrong. Uh, so that's probably your, your wisest source. But we have God has given us many, many more counselors, like doctors and lawyers and chemists and uh, teachers and priests and nuns and all kinds of other experts that we can talk to. So you have counselors to go to them and say, you know, I think God is telling me this. And by the way, again, Jeremiah chapter 23 says you should be asking your neighbor, what has God told you about this or that? So that's a good way for you to, like the green car story. My daughter mm-hmm. had the same list for the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is uh, something that you'll experience when you're talking to God. It's called the, the peace that surpasses understanding. You'll have that when God is convincing you. There's been times in my life where God was like, for example, he wanted me to write two books. He wanted to write the first book, and I kept fighting it. No, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to tell the whole world about my life story. I don't want to have to answer all the questions like, are you crazy? You know, I didn't want to write the first book, and uh, so I kept talking to him. Uh, But when he convinced me, I had this peace that surpassed understanding, and I knew by that peace that that was him. So, and Jesus said, Jesus said in the Bible, my peace I leave you, not like the world gives peace. I give you my peace, and that's the peace that surpasses understanding. The martyrs in history who marched into the lion's den, or St. Joan of Arc was burnt at the stake, and she was talking to Jesus while they were burning her. Uh, That is because they have this peace that surpasses understanding. Um, And the last one, the sixth point, is called fleecing, spelled F-L-E-E-C-I-N-G, that's a bad word in Webster's Dictionary. It means you're taking advantage of people. But in the, in the Bible, fleecing is a way where you ask God to please, please give me some kind of a clue that I'm really hearing you, God, because I'm having trouble believing it's really you. So that's, and it's not testing God. And, and the proof of this is in my two books, there's 15 examples listed in my two books where you can, they're all Bible examples of people who did fleecing, and the, the the easiest example I could tell your listeners about now, they can check it out for themselves. I put it in my book, but uh, if they look in the book of Judges, chapter 6 through 9, easy to remember 6 through 9 because you transpose the 6 and it looks like a 9. So in the book of Judges, chapter 6 through 9, if they read those three chapters, they'll see what fleecing is all about, where God does gladly tell us and give us clues that he's Who's to us he's talking to us? Okay, so I had to get those six things out. The Bible, we've got traditions, we've got the catechism, we've got wise counselors, we've got the peace that surpasses understanding, and we have fleecing. So there's six ways to convince yourself you're hearing God's voice. I'm glad I got that in because it's something people need to hear. Thank you, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, did you want to return to the question uh, that I asked you um, before? Oh, oh yes. Um, okay. Thanks, thanks mm-hmm. for reminding me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. it gives some evidence that I was just a typist of the books. That sounds yes, like sir. a weird claim. I mean, even when I say it to people now, uh, I have to chuckle because it's, it's an unbelievable statement. You're just a typist. But I have this evidence. So let me give some significant parts of it. <laughs> In the first book, there's 13 times where Jesus told me to do something, say it a certain way, or modify something 13 times. And every time he told me to do that, I would have an, an instant confirmation. Like he would say, 
change that word to this word. And I would change the word, and the radio would say the same word at the same moment, or the television would say the same paragraph. He said, change that paragraph. One night, uh, he told me to type Genesis 18, and I, I wrote this in the book. Uh, all these examples of him con convincing me that he was writing the book are in, in Exhibit E. Both books, both books have Exhibit E, and if people look at, at Exhibit E, they'll see all the times that God proved to me that he was writing the book. And so one night, he told me to type Genesis 18, and as I started to type it, uh, the, uh, the mass for the day was on television, and the priest, the priest was giving a homily, and he started to recite the exact verses that I was typing. He was reciting them as I was typing. So it's that kind of co coincidental proof. Jesus said, type Genesis 18, and as I started, the television, uh, the priest in his homily I would often listen to the masses while I was typing as well. Uh, so that was one example. Uh, another uh, example was I was typing in the book uh, explaining uh, the meaning of the word inspiration and the meaning of the word idea. And I explained it as follows. I was inspired to explain it this way. That the first person who went to their friend and said, hey, I just had a great inspiration got their friend to say to them, what are you talking about? I never heard the word inspiration. What are you talking about? What what's an inspiration? And the person said, oh, an inspiration, it's really two words. It's in, means something's coming in me. Inspiration means the spirit's coming into me. That's what an inspiration is. And, and I had a great idea. And the word idea is also two words. It's the word I and the word Deo is the Latin word for God. And the female form of Deo is Dea. So I, idea is also I and God. So the word I was typing, how inspiration and idea are supposed to mean that, and everybody misuses it. Uh, you know, somebody, you know, often people misuse it because I, know, I notice it now that I know what it means. So uh, while I was explaining this and typing it in the book, it was a dark, gloomy day, and I had the blinds closed. And... While I was typing this, the sun burst into the sky out there because it found a spot in my, my Venetian blinds that was ajar, and the sun came in and, like a spotlight, hit me in the head and also hit the computer screen. And Jesus said to me, like he, he reminded me of that starburst miracle coming through the wall. He said, tell me, I'm showing you that you're typing what I want you to type. I want people to know I am inspiring them and I am giving them ideas. And so that was another confirmation. So I put that in Exhibit E. Um, let's see. Oh, and then uh, while I was typing on another day, um, I, I was, uh, let's see. Oh. I guess mm -hmm. I better explain it this way. Um, I was typing about the uh, issue of God wants us to keep talking to him. God wants to have conversations, and he wants us to ask questions. And I was explaining that and typing it the way Jesus had told me to type it. And um, as I was typing it on the radio, I used to listen to some FM, uh, even some religious uh, shows that played music. But this particular night, what came on was Bill Withers, W-I-T-H-E-R-S, Withers, Bill Withers, was singing the song, Lean On Me, When You Need a Friend, Lean On Me, Call On Me. And that mm -hmm. song, I never knew before, but it ends where Bill Withers says 20 times, 20 times he says, call me, call me, call me. Um, 
So that was another case of Jesus showing me that he was asking me to write right now, and he had the radio station playing the song, Call Me, and he said to me, I want you to put this in Exhibit E. All right, so I, I think I probably should stop there because it looks like we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the last question that I'd ask is, um, I know you've probably gotten a lot of feedback from the readers that you've had. Uh, could you tell me just a little bit about how your books have changed their lives? Okay. Uh, yes, I'd be happy to do that because that was that was the mission of the books. You know, Jesus wanted me to make sure I impacted them. So I'm very delighted. I put my email address in the books, and I get emails from people on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that I, I've been told about, uh, certainly I have people noticing coincidence miracles, the, the peas and carrots story. They are using that kind of, a, of thing. Uh, so that's a, a big help and, and comfort for me to hear. Uh, now, one couple shared with me how they were going on a vacation, and uh, they were inspired to uh, ask God, should we look for directions for that place we're going to see when we get there now, or should we look for it later? They were inspired to look for the information now, so they did so. And as they were driving in, they stopped at a diner, and somebody in the diner was looking for the directions that they had looked up beforehand. So they took that as a coincidence miracle. Uh, One person had a child, 26 years old, who was in a foreign country, and uh, working for the armed forces, and they hadn't talked to them for a week, and they, they used to get all sent off on secret missions. And so the parents were having dinner, and they were worried because they had not heard from their son. And they said, "Geez, maybe we ought to call after dinner." And just then, the phone rang. So uh, things like that. And um, uh, another person was, was trying to shop for a Christmas gift. It was very important to get the right one. They went to four stores. They couldn't find it. They said a prayer. They were inspired to go to a certain store. They walked in, and the clerk said, we had six of these this morning, and you just got the very last one. Mm-hmm. So if we ask God what to do, no matter what we're doing, Christmas gifts, going on a vacation, call our children. Um, a lot of times I'll get inspired to call my brother, and I go to call him, and the phone rings, and it's him calling me. Um, so it's mm-hmm. Coincidence Miracles. That's why the title is Coincidence Miracles. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, it's actually been a very enlightening uh, interview for me, and I'm hoping for our listeners also. And I want to thank you for letting me uh, interview you. I've really enjoyed it. All right. Well, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it also. It's part of my mission. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, would you like to close this with a prayer? All right. Thank you. Uh, as at the beginning, I'll again say amen and hope for some amens out there, but uh, the same kind of prayer. Dear Jesus, please inspire everyone who heard this uh, session today to come to have conversations with you more often, more frequently, and come to know you better each day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And thank you again, Tony. Okay, thank you. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in 
and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.